thank you for downloading and streaming the Playing Up Parenting podcast. Today's is the last in our series as I take a summer break. So I am getting ready for summer, getting myself all prepped up and then we'll be having the summer holidays. Uh, But don't worry, we will be back in the autumn with series three. In the meantime, if you want to be a guest on the show or you know somebody who would make a great guest, do get in touch with me. I will still be working intermittently over the break and I'll be recording some episodes getting ready for the next series to get started. So don't stay out of touch and I'll still be staying live on social media all the time through my break. Don't forget we do have workshops and courses as well as private one-to-one consultations all the way up to the start of the school holidays which is mid-July. And then I'll be taking bookings for September from there as well. So do please get in touch, check out the show notes to find details of the events. So today's episode is all about feeding, but it's feeding our babies. We do talk a lot on the episode about breastfeeding. We also talk about the importance of um, bottle feeding, the importance of knowledge. And knowledge is power when it comes to feeding our children. Alex is a board-certified lactation consultant, so she really knows what she's talking about, and she has a lovely approach. There are loads of resources in the show notes. There'll be more coming out over social media this week and over in the Facebook group, so do check those out. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi Alex, thanks for joining us on Playing at Parenting. Can you just give us a little background about your parenting journey and how you um, got into what you do? Yeah, so I just want to say thank you for having me on the show, Kate. Um, So my parenting journey, I'm, I'm about two and a half years into my parenting journey so far. I do have a toddler and we have uh, baby number two on the way actually um, very soon. And it was, it was a journey. It has been a journey so far. Just you can prepare as much as you want, but you know, there's, it's just so different when you're actually experiencing it. You have this little human being that now you're responsible for, and you know, it's entirely up to you to, to figure out how do you want to raise them and be their parent. And it was that journey into motherhood actually is what transitioned my career into lactation support because I just had I had a really difficult time breastfeeding my son and I I didn't have a lot of support and I yeah I, I discovered a passion that I didn't know I had um through that the whole experience of, of becoming a mother that is um something that I'm sure will resonate with a lot of people um I know from my social media, obviously, I'm kind of more of a broad spectrum parenting support. And I know that amongst other things that whenever I talk about my breastfeeding journey, um, that tends to be amongst the times when people get the most um, connected. But also I, I, I get a lot of people reaching out to me, telling me their stories or and they are they're they're very varied and very challenging for a lot of people whether they struggle to breastfeed whether they never wanted to breastfeed all of those things um so it it's something that um on on a past episode we talked about 
pelvic floor physio being something that we wished every every like woman got given as free and you know and lactation consultant was one of the other things that we said like we wish there was actually lactation consultants available for everybody so I saw I saw a lactation consultant when Benjamin was three weeks old um I can honestly hand on heart say it changed my parenting journey 100% if we hadn't seen that lactation consultant I would not have breastfed past that first three weeks um he had an undiagnosed tongue tie which the lactation consultant diagnosed and cut <laughs> um you just hear so many stories so can you give us a few kind of ideas of the different kind because obviously I talked about tongue tie on, the, on on previous episodes as well but can you talk to us about some of the other things that people come to you about other than just tongue tie absolutely so there there is so many different reasons that someone can seek out the support of a lactation consultant I have personally worked with families who have concerns over how much milk that they're producing. They might be supplementing with formula and their goal is to either stop that supplementation or figure out a balance to continue to provide their own milk as well as formula. I've helped many families with older babies. You know, we think a lot of lactation support is in those newborn days. And, and while it is, it doesn't stop there. You know, our skill set doesn't just end at, at 12 weeks. I've helped many families through those developmental milestones, like four months old when babies are distracted and rolling around, and that can make feeding a little more challenging, starting solid foods. I've actually helped many families through the weaning process as well, because that's that's a huge shift in, you know, not only your breastfeeding relationship, but your parenting relationship as well, because there is you know, we use breastfeeding as, as a comfort measure with our children. It is a relationship. And when you end that relationship, it's a big shift for both of you emotionally. So there is a whole range of skills that lactation consultants have to support families. Yeah, I think that's so true. I think um, it's, it's understanding that there is support there for people. Um, and so just out of interest, have you also supported people who were chest feeding and um, non-birthing non parents as well? I haven't had the opportunity myself in my practice. I've had many colleagues who, who have as well. And that's absolutely, um, you know, there, there are some lactation consultants where that is their primary skill set is to support the, the non-birthing parent in lactating to be able to feed their baby. There are you know, many families where people want to co-nurse. There are many families yeah. where babies are adopted and you know, we want to, there's a parent who wants to induce lactation to be able to feed their baby. So there is, there's such a spectrum and there's always, because there is such a, a range of what you might need support with. And there are so many different people. You can actually also look for a lactation consultant who has that as their sort of primary skill set to ensure that you get the most support. Yes, exactly. And I think depending on where you are in the world as well, um, depends on how many lactation consultants there are. So here in the UK, there's not masses of them, um, but there are, they do seem to have their specialisms. So the person that I saw 
although she does a lot of work with families um, to support various parts of it, she does um, specific surgeries for tongue tie, um, which is what we went to. Um, and so there are different people that have specialisms, like you say. Um, so what do you think is the most misunderstood thing about, about lactation consultants and seeing a lactation consultant? I love that question. I think if I had to pick one thing, I'd say the most misunderstood is that we just help you get a good latch. And like, that's where, you know, the job ends that we're, we're only there to help you latch your baby. And that is so, so far from the truth because you know everything that I've just been saying, our, our skill set goes so far beyond that. You know, we're also helping parents who are pumping. There are some parents who don't want to feed their baby on their body and that's their choice. And, you know, they still want to provide their own milk. And that's something that we can do. Parents who bottle feed, there are, there's just so many ways that a lactation consultant can support you far beyond, you know, helping your baby get a good latch. You mentioned about bottle feeding, and this is one of the things that was quite, when I first started looking into tongue ties, um, was that tongue tie can affect bottle feeding and then and then speech later down the line, can't it? So is that some, is that one of the kinds of areas that you would be working with families on um, tongue tie revisions and things maybe less, slightly later into their journey as well? Yeah, I've absolutely, I've supported a number of families through that process. I myself, I've fed a baby who was tongue tied. My son had a, a posterior tongue tie and a lip tie. So I think, you know, the two of us have um, a, a little bit in common there. And it's, a, it can be really challenging because it's ultimately affecting their ability to use their tongue. And it's an integral part of how they feed at the breast as well as bottle. So it is absolutely something, you know, I've supported parents through helping them discover that there, there was a tongue tie, helping them find, you know, that specialist to do the release for them. And then the follow-up is just as important and working with a lactation consultant to rebuild baby skills because now their tongue has a new range of motion and we need to help them develop those, those muscles uh, and basically relearn how to use their tongue so that it, it's optimal. Yeah, I heard, um, I had a breath expert on um, a while ago. Any of the episodes that I reference, I will share share in the show notes where you can go and listen to that episode. Um, but we had um, a really interesting conversation. And one of the things that she talked about was we um, we are... We have less strength in our jaws as, as a society and some of that comes from our reduction in the amount of breastfeeding because they don't have to work their jaws as hard to, um, to feed on a bottle. Um, and I found that really fascinating because you just don't think about these connections, do you? Um, and I know obviously Benjamin was three weeks old when his tongue tie was cut and I think that was early enough in our journey and um he adapted really really quickly but I've heard so many stories of people who 
didn't adapt as quickly or maybe they waited and and they were a couple of months old when they had the tongue tie cut and it does take that time to relearn and you don't think of it you just think well it's easier now surely it should be easy it should just be you have it cut and it's all fine and and I always say I feel like I was a bit of an anomaly because it was I like a lot of people will say oh the instantly the pain's gone but the child still doesn't necessarily have a good latch whereas Benjamin I think Benjamin always had a reasonable latch considering his tongue tie. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I think that's the other thing. It's so misdiagnosed, certainly in this country, and, and it, it seems to be worldwide that there's either an overall and underdiagnosis of it, but because people are, con- because the medical professionals, like, certainly in this country, are worried that there's an overdiagnosis, they then end up underdiagnosing. And some of the stories I've heard, I mean, we were told, by the hospital that he had a short tongue um, which my lactation consultant laughed at um, when she looked at him she's like what well yeah sure because he can't move it <laughs> um, and even if it was a short tongue that's still an issue and he can't feed because he can't get his tongue high enough um, but yeah you 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 hear these stories of people who are told it's definitely not it's definitely not and then you see the pictures and you're like and you must it must break your heart to see parents who are struggling um, because they're coming to you at a really vulnerable time aren't they because generally if you go to see a lactation consultant you are determined to breastfeed yes and you bring up a really good point there is most of the people seeking support from lactation consultants it's because there's there's a problem there's a challenge of some kind and they want to fix it they want to feed their baby in this way and they just want to get the support that they need. And it is so, so difficult, especially around the topic of tongue ties, because it is an area of education that you have to seek out additional training. So even within the lactation profession, the the basic information, it's, it's minimal in order to be able to, you know, assess a baby. What are you feeling? Understand how they're moving their tongue. Is it actually, you know, affecting their ability to remove milk and feed well? You have to take all of this extra training. So that's where, you know, it is helpful to find out who's in your area. What are, is their skill set? Because not everyone has that same skill set. And when you see someone who just dismisses your concerns, it, it it's heartbreaking as a parent. And, you know, I was... I've been in that position and I've had parents that come to me who they've had other professionals tell them, you know, everything looks fine. But for me, I want to know how their tongue is moving. How is it functioning rather than, you know, what does it just look like? And how do you feel? How does the latch feel for you? You know, if we're adjusting your position and, and trying all sorts of things and it's still painful or baby's just not able to transfer milk, you deserve, you know, to go one step further and, and, get to the root of the problem yeah I think that because I think that's the problem that oh it does hurt I think that's the and it's something that I've seen talked about very very rarely and especially in forums amongst people who have not already had their children so when you've had your child everyone goes yeah it hurts but nobody really nobody talks about it before so you're not expecting it to hurt other than maybe the first time and to be perfectly frank I had I had a delivery in surgery so it was a um forceps delivery in surgery 
So I was clearly already medicated up. So I didn't feel anything at all on that first feed because I was semi-semi-conscious. And everyone was like, oh, he latched really well. And it's like, I have a vague memory of him being there. Um, but then from then on, it, every feed was a fight. And um, the, the midwives coming around and the, the support staff coming around and they're like, oh no, it's because you've got big boobs or it's because of this or it's because of that. And they all had a different opinion and you need to do a hamburger and you need to do this and you need to do that. And you need, and oh, try rugby ball and try this. And all of these terms that they're throwing at you that you have no idea what they mean. Um, so if you have any, any, um, in, any anything I can share into the show notes there on on some of what those things are that would be really helpful otherwise I'll probably share some La Leche League stuff but there is so much terminology so many different ideas and they're all thrown at you when you've just been handed this like tiny little thing that you're petrified you're gonna hurt and they're trying to get you to shove it in and they uh Certainly the, I noticed it was more the older staff that did this in our hospital, but the older staff would just come and shove their mouth and they'd just like manhandle you together. And for me, in some ways, it wasn't too bad because I was in hospital for an extra few days because I was still still recovering myself. And then you got home, it was just like, I was just pouring milk down him. I, like he just couldn't get it off. I had plenty of milk. <laughs> <laughs> so supply wasn't an issue for me which almost made it easier because if supply had also been an issue I'd probably have just given up but it was literally the, the milk was just falling out of me <laughs> and you just don't know where to turn and I was really lucky for me because I turned to the hospital where I'm supposed to go for all the support and they turned me away and told me that everything was fine. And I'd gone back when he was a week old and no, everything's fine. You'll get used to it. The pain will calm down. And I was in absolute agony every time. And he was a, he was a great, I mean, he was a grazer and into being older was a grazer. Uh, so he fed very, very regularly. And then eventually um, somebody that I'd met through a Facebook group was like, no, it's definitely a tongue tie. You need to get a second opinion. And that kind of, that voice of reason from somebody else saying, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know where to turn. And so it's, how can we help more people to know where to turn and when to turn to somebody? And that's one of the big things that I want episodes like this on the podcast that are very specific because um, some of our episodes are very more very generic parenting this is a very specific episode and I think it's how how do we help as many people as possible so if you're listening to this and you're you are not a new mum then there's still stuff here for you because we can you can you might be helping someone else yeah it is it is something that I honestly think about every day. Like how can, how can we teach more people about the realities and what to expect? How can we make people aware that services like prenatal breastfeeding classes and prenatal education classes exist? You know, there are options available, especially now virtually there's, you know, on-demand classes that you can take. There are many lactation consultants who hold 
prenatal classes where you, you know, you can call them or go to their website and find out if they're doing that. You don't have to necessarily just wing it or hope for the best or kind of rely on what friends and family have said, because your unique experience is, you know, your journey is your journey. Just the way that, you know, your, your, your birth wasn't similar to how your mother birthed your experience of feeding your child likely isn't going to be similar to her experience. Every single person is going to be different. And so what I, what I always encourage is, is the prenatal education when you are pregnant or you're planning, you're expecting a baby. That is the time to, you know, not only get all the gadgets and the gear and the build the beautiful nursery, but to actually focus on your postpartum period and lactation. What, what do you want to do? Do you, do you want to breastfeed your baby? Are you worried a little bit about it? Do you have questions? That is the perfect opportunity to connect with someone. And, you know, if you can't find or have access to a private practice lactation consultant, La Leche League, they are trained peer support. They have been through it. And, you know, it's a, it's a really safe, non-judgmental space to, to answer your questions. Yeah, so we have La Leche League local to us, and I went to one of their meetings, and they were amazing. Um, we also have some other kind of breastfeeding groups around that that are kind of more and more are popping up. Um, I'm hoping to be putting something together later in the year locally to me. Um, so I am currently not peer supporter level trained. I am very basic level like a lot of general parenting um, people, but it's something we talk about a lot on our preparing to parent work uh, course, because one, one thing that when I started doing research to find out what people, what people loved and what people hated about their antenatal classes. And the biggest thing that came back to me was most of them out there focus on labor. None of them talk about what you do when you take home this baby, or if they do, it's a really small part of the course. Um, and when they do talk about it, it's breast, breast, breast. They don't talk about bottle feeding at all. They don't talk about the pros and cons of them both. They don't treat it with an even non-judgmental way. They basically say, you've got to breastfeed. And that's not how we do it um and, and part of that is because that's a very privileged position to come at it from because if I hadn't had the money to pay privately to see a lactation consultant I wouldn't have been able to carry on and so to just assume that everybody who wants to breastfeed can breastfeed without any issues is yeah I feel like that's quite a privileged position and I also think it's really it's one of the big things for me that comes up a lot with the breastfeeding conversation is mental health and I, I have had quite a few people reach out to me with um, conversations around um, the way in which non-breastfeeding parents are made to feel around feeding with bottles and um the looks that they get and some of that isn't even necessarily actually they're being judged and that's something <laughs> I've talked about a lot recently in that 
you can be out somewhere and you think someone's judging you and they're not or maybe they are but they're judging you in quite a positive way but you're assuming that they're that because you already have a negative bias towards it so you assume everyone else will but why do we have a negative bias towards this when parents should be given that choice they should be given the support to feed their children how they see fit and so we talk about the benefits the scientific benefits of breastfeeding but we also talk about the practical benefits of both (laughs) because for some people bottle feeding is what they want to do that's fine and it just it breaks my heart when I hear the stories it really does of uh, the people that have been made to feel like they're not a good parent because they bottle fed their child and it has then been a contributing factor to them having then postnatal depression. Yeah, it's mental health is so important. It's it is something where if if what you're doing, if how you're feeding your baby is negatively affecting your mental health, then we need to reevaluate because you as the parent are an there is two people in in this relationship. It's a dyad, you know, there is a parent and a baby and you are just as important. And if what you're doing isn't making you feel good, if what you're doing is is making things worse, it's negatively impacting your mental health, then we need to find a solution that is going to prioritize you. And that's also why I, I believe my, my philosophy is that being informed and supported is best. It's not breast is best. It's not, you know, I'm not subscribing to 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 that because there are so many reasons that parents don't want to provide their own milk to their baby exclusively that they want to use formula or that they have to use formula and you just need to know you just need to be informed so the benefits of it the risks of it you know make sure you you know you you get that that education you have someone to support you through it non-judgmentally and then that's where you're in a place to actually make decisions that feel best for you and most right for you and your family. Exactly. And I think that's the thing. It's that informed and supported. And that's where um, most parents seem to be being let down by the systems. And obviously it all works differently in different parts of the world. But our health, our health visitors in the UK are atrocious for this. And it's very hit and miss depending on who you get. Um, and so my part of my, my story was I came to being a parent with having had previous mental health concerns. So knew going into parenting that I was at high risk of postnatal depression. During, so we have, oh, I can't remember what they call it, but before your due, your due date, the health visitor comes to your house and checks where baby's going to sleep and how you're going to feed baby and has all these conversations with you. And now that I know more, I cannot believe that I even let them in my house, to be perfectly frank, because it was, they are very against bed sharing, which we ended up doing. And from a safety point of view, better doing that than what the alternatives. Um, and I basically said that to her. I said, I would like to breastfeed, but I'm not going to put too much pressure on myself because I know that I'm at high risk of postnatal depression. And I know that it, it's like if I put too much pressure on myself, that's going to make it more likely. She said, oh, that's a very good. That's that's great. Yeah. And then spent half an hour telling me why breastfeeding was was the best thing to do. 
And it's like, I knew that, I'd already told her that. I already knew that. And, but because we have such low breastfeeding rates in this country, and I think in the States as well, it's the, the, the breastfeeding rates are really low as well. Um, they are told they've got to encourage everyone to breastfeed. But that is, that put me in a position where I was then at breaking point three weeks after having a baby through a difficult delivery, uh, difficult health conditions for myself. And it was luck rather than judgment that got me <laughs> to have the, the beautiful breast, breastfeeding journey. And it impacted me in so many other positive ways, but that only happened because of luck not because of being informed and supported. I was informed to a certain extent, but I wasn't supported. And that was having midwives and support staff visiting me that was going to hospital and speaking with people who should have been there to support me. And yet I still wasn't actually given the information I needed or the, or the, the solutions I needed. Yeah. It's, you can't, you can't really support someone if, you're not, you know, if you're not listening to them, if you're not actually understanding what their needs are, what their goals are, what their past experiences are, if you're just pushing breastfeeding on them, it's not really, you know, that support piece is completely missing. Mm. So yes, I think there's definitely the need for more education and more information across the board um, about how how people can get that support. And the lecture league is one of the one of the the great ways. I used to use a blog called I think it's I want to say it's called Kelly's Mum, who has a lot of great information. Because another of the things that um, that breastfeeding mums can be re can really struggle with is uh, medication. And most medication, most, most everything you get has not been tested on breastfeeding mothers or newborn babies or pregnant people. So basically the second you become pregnant until the stop, time you stop breastfeeding, nothing you take has been tested for that situation because it's immoral to test. And so a lot of medication and a lot of things will just blanket say, don't do it if you're breastfeeding and I know Kelly's mum has some quite quite good articles on um understanding what you can and can't use um and that was one of the reasons I think that I started looking at that because people were recommending it for checking whether or not you could take certain medications and things like that and and I guess that's something else that a lactation consultant can support with because you would have more understanding of the kinds of things that cross over the barrier. It is, it is something that a lactation consultant can support you with. There are several, several online databases that actually are available to parents to access to help them navigate the, the, the overwhelming amount of medications and, you know, substances, things like caffeine and, you know, smoking and, and, and things that someone might be doing while they're lactating and uh, that can kind of worry them a little bit. And so there's, there is um, the infant risk center. That one is based in the U S but it is 
a database that anyone can access online to find out the safety of pretty much anything. Um, and they also have an app available. It's called Mommy Meds. And I have, I have no affiliation with that. It's just something that it's so user-friendly. I've shared it with so many clients. And it gives you really clear sort of, yes, this is, you know, generally considered to be safe or, or you know, we want to be a little bit more cautious around this particular medication. So it's, it can be scary for some, you know, there are, there are situations where you have to be on a medication, you know, and, and, you know, you, you still want to be able to provide and feed your baby in a way that feels good for you. So there are, there are resources available and, and absolutely it's something that if you're working with a lactation consultant to bring up with them. I think that's the thing, isn't it? I think it's if your own medical team, because a lot of the time they'll say, speak to your GP in this country. It's if, 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 if you don't know, speak to your GP. And some of what you're saying is probably where the GP then goes to find the information out because GPs are very, are exactly what the G, it stands for, general practitioners. Therefore, they don't know the ins and outs, unless you happen, luckily, to get somebody who that is their kind of passion area. Most GPs, they have an area where they know more than everyone else on. But most GPs, they are having to deal with such a breadth of um, information that they can't know everything. So they're always, they look everything up on databases. So they're probably looking at the same kind of databases as, as as you would be and more often than not you'll we've i found with the people i know that they'll always err on the side of caution if they don't know the answer no <laughs> if in doubt no um and a lot of them won't explain that they won't explain that there is no data um they'll just say no so it, that's you know that does make it tricky when you've got specific medications that they're not really negotiable <laughs> especially especially not ones that people think of as negotiable so mental health ones particularly where people think of as that they're negotiable so the doctor's like well but your mental health is just as important as your physical health and so if you only have certain um antidepressants that work for you or and you need to be on them you need to be on them so we need to find a safe way to do that Absolutely. The other option that exists, um, and it, it entirely depends on the the parent and their their need for the certain medication, but is to chat with your primary care physician, you know, with the GP and the pharmacist. And is there another option? Is there another medication maybe you're willing to try that could help support you in the same way that might be less of a risk for breastfeeding? So there's, you know, there is there are other things to, to think about if, if you kind of get the answer of, oh, I don't know if this is safe or it's probably not safe, just stop breastfeeding. There, is, there are other routes to take, um, so to speak, you know, to, to find maybe there is an alternative and maybe there's not. But, you know, if, if how you're feeding your baby and, you know, if you're providing them human milk, if that's really important to you, then, you know, I want to make sure that we can we can have you keep doing that in a safe way. So, you know, having those conversations with those professionals can also help. Yeah. So I was really lucky that I had an oversupplied milk. So I've talked about this. We had um, somebody on talking about pumping 
Um, so I had an oversupply of milk and actually was donating milk. Um, so is that something that you've helped people with in the past as well? I have. Yes, I have. It is definitely something that happens to some parents. There's some people, no matter what they do, they're just producing lots, lots of milk straight away. There is also a period that first six weeks, your body's really trying to figure out how many babies it needs to feed. And it's doing so by most of the time, you know, after, after baby is, is latching and removing milk, you know, it's trying to figure out how much it needs to keep producing. But some people are in this overdrive where they're just making lots and lots and lots and lots as their body is going through this period before the supply starts to regulate. So, and it might sound like it's this wonderful thing to, to happen to you, but it can come with a lot of challenges itself. There can be a lot of discomfort. You can have more risks for, you know, plugged and, and blocked ducts and mastitis. And you're not, you have that sensation of just not feeling empty and, and discomfort. And, you know, you've fed your baby, but you also have to pump because there's just so much milk there. So there are many people who think, oh, I, you know, I would love to have that problem, but it, it actually is, is just as challenging to manage for many people as, as a, an undersupply. And I think the other thing that I think it also affects how you feed. So we 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 quite quickly went to upright feeding or rugby ball or laid down or so there were a lot of different ways that I could feed, but I could never well, I basically never fed in a traditional um cradle carry position because my flow was just too fast. <laughs> I guess. And these are all the kinds of things that people don't talk to you about before. They, you, you, you hear the odd story about people not, not being able to produce milk, which generally isn't actually what the problem is. The problem is an undersupply rather than a no milk whatsoever, isn't it? Um, but you don't often hear people talking about the um, so much milk that you basically choke your child. <laughs> it's it's really difficult to manage and then as a parent you you know you're you're feeling like something is wrong your your baby can't handle the the milk that you're producing you know it never feels good to be feeding your baby and then seeing them struggle or seeing them choke and it does absolutely affect the the types of positions that you need to feed in and that's where there you know there isn't one position that's going to work for every single person. And like everyone's anatomy is different. Our chest is a different size. Our torso is a different size. Our babies are different sizes. And so, you know, for someone who feeds in that cradle position, it might work really well. And then for someone else, it's, you know, it's not working. Baby's not getting enough milk. You feel uncomfortable. And that's where you kind of need to experiment and, you know, feed in a way where you feel comfortable and baby is also comfortable and, you know, we see them drinking milk. Yeah. And I think that's, again, that's something where people just assume, I don't know, maybe assume is not the right word, but just assume that parenting will be easy and that you can do it in X, Y and Z way. And it just, it's like everything. Parenting is a... 
individual process and you will go through it differently with one person one person will go through it differently to another person and I think this is where experts like yourself come in because I can work with somebody um, and help them on 90% of what they want or need help with and then I can then refer them to that 10%, that that gap, because everybody's gap, everybody that needs extra support needs it in a different area. And so having a well, having people like me as intermediaries, but then having people who can fill that gap, I think is 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 really important. Um, so my network locally, I I have a network locally of people who I refer to and I'll I'll you know when I'm working with somebody I won't take I won't take somebody on as a client if it's actually clear that actually what they need is a lactation consultant or um something to do with gut health or so I I will I work with people so that I can make sure that I'm only working with people who actually need what I, I can provide and then if I provide them the information before they have the baby, hopefully they have a few less stumbling blocks. But then when they do, because inevitably, even if I'd been provided all the information, the fact that the hospital was still telling me it wasn't would have meant I'd still have needed that referral. I still needed to know where to go to find somebody who could help me. And therefore, if you've had that support in the initial stages before the baby's born, you'll have more access to go to know where, where you need to go, which means that that process will be sped up. Yeah. Yeah. Having making if you can making those connections before baby arrives can be can be so helpful. You know, even if you are, let's say, connecting with a La Leche League leader before baby arrives, at least, you know, if, if you're experiencing feeding challenges, you know where to go. And then they have the skill set to say, okay, you know, this, depending on what the issue might be, this goes beyond my scope. Here is now someone else that you can talk to. You're like, here's a referral to an IBCLC and, and, and so on. You know, we all have these networks of people that we can refer to. There's people who I work with where, you know, we need to go to someone else because of, of a certain issue that's going on. You know, we need to go to an allergy specialist or, or a naturopath or something outside of my scope. But I, yeah, I think it, it definitely starts with during pregnancy, kind of making that, that network of connections because those people can get you the, the support that you need. Exactly. Right. I'm going to start to wrap it up now. So if I could ask for, like, if you were going to give expectant parents or new parents one piece of advice what would it be one piece would be to there's so many that I want to say um but to to make the decision and make the time to learn about your options around feeding your baby before your baby comes so do you want to learn more about breastfeeding do you want to you know, learn more around bottle feeding. Do you have goals? What is your plan? Thinking about that before your baby is born can help set you up for success because then you're in a position to have a better understanding of the realities and what to expect when it comes to, to breastfeeding. Perfect. And if people want to follow you, 
on social media or, or find out more about what you're doing, how can they find you? I will yeah, put all so, this in the show notes so if you don't have to scribble too quickly. <laughs> you can connect with me via my website. It's motherhoodbloomslactation.com. And from there, you can read my blog. You can grab free downloads. You can see the courses that I have. And you can connect with me on Instagram in the same way. It's motherhoodbloomslactation. And you can just see the content I have to offer. You can say hello. Don't be shy. Perfect. And um, I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us. And hopefully we'll drop a load of links that will, will connect everything that we've talked about into the show notes. Have a lovely day. Thanks. Thank you. So wasn't it lovely talking to Alex and getting the support and knowledge which we can use to help parents whether that's yourself or whether that's other parents that you know with the difficult journey that is breastfeeding whether it's your first second or fifth child breastfeeding is different with each one and so we put so much pressure on ourselves and our breastfeeding journeys and feel such shame if we can't get what we want from those journeys And I loved talking to Alex because she really doesn't have that attitude. And um, one of the things she said is um, knowledge and support is much more important than whether you choose to feed your child breast or bottle. And that is exactly the way I see it as well. So please, I would absolutely love, um, I will definitely be sharing more of my breastfeeding journey this week. And I'd love to hear some of your stories as well. And don't forget to check out the show notes for all of those links that we talked about through the show. There is loads on the show notes this week. Don't forget, this is the last in the series. We will be back in the autumn. And I'd love to hear who you would like to have on the show or if one of the experts we had on this time around and you'd like to have them back to talk about something, do drop me an email or a message on on the socials. So don't forget, I'd be the letter B and then the word carried all one word on both Instagram and Facebook so I'm really easy to find and check out the show notes for the events page over on the website where you can book those consultations workshops and courses have a lovely summer and there will be a couple of blog posts come out over the summer I've got one Uh, ready to go talking about ways to make summer easier so um, check that out summer holidays easier so check that one out when it comes out at the start of the summer have a great summer and I'll speak to you in the autumn